Hey, everyone, and welcome to the State of the Art Podcast with me, your host, Ethan Appleby. I'm very excited to bring you along as I dive into conversations with amazing people who are at the intersection of art and technology. Each week, you'll hear a different angle about how tech is bringing radical change in the way all of us interact with art. We have on artists to first-time collectors, as well as CEOs from some of the top digital art companies. We'll also look at the effects social media sites and crowdsourcing platforms are having on the art world and explore how other creative industries, such as music and fashion, were democratized using technology. Before we get started, I want to tell you about Bango. If you're looking to spruce up your space and add inspiration to your home or office, there's no better way than original art. And Bango is changing the way we discover art from some of the best emerging artists. So visit bangoart.com or download the Bango app on iTunes and use promo code State of the Art to get 15% off your first purchase. Now, allow me to welcome today's guest. In this episode, I'm excited to welcome Stefan Simkowitz. Stefan is an art collector and mentor for emerging artists and has been called the art world's patron saint. And with words as provocative as these, it was definitely one of our most fascinating guests. His controversial reputation comes from both supporting and creating markets for new artists, and then exploiting and abandoning these same artists. His style of art flipping goes against the establishment grain. Today, I talked to Stefan about what artists really need, how he's disrupting the art establishment, and the myth of the art connoisseur. So please, allow me to welcome today's guest, Stefan Simkowitz. You talked earlier about, I mean, about a war on, on truth. I mean, you talked also about a culture war. And also, you know, in the 1800s and early 1900s, you had, you know, the Rockefellers and the Vanderbilts who were supporting artists, but you don't see that as much from the... They weren't supporting artists. I mean, I don't think they were supporting artists per se. I mean, okay. I, mean I think the robber barons at the turn of the century, yeah. you know, were megalomaniac consolidated culture. They bought tapestries, mm-hmm. you know, I mean... They, they they bought tapestries like you know 14th 15th century kings you know they yeah they, they bought symbols of power and I, I don't think they were like you know alfred barnes was collecting you know impressionism and post-impressionism but i don't think the robber barons were necessarily you know supporting art at scale yeah. well what do you, i mean okay do you think that Today, I mean, the tech crowd, let's just say. is The tech crowd of... couldn't, couldn't care less about culture. Yeah. The technocracy is culturally illiterate, culturally disinterested. And, and do you think it'll always be that way? Do you think there's a reason? Like, why? why? Because. And is it a bigger problem or is because it? Because for, for the tech crowd, culture is Bitcoin. Yeah. Because Bitcoin essentially is like an art object removed of its requirement to have knowledge, aesthetic beauty, yeah. understanding. It it is pure abstract in in a currency form. Yeah, it's 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 a it's it's a, cryptocurrencies are a perfect sort of mechanism for the tech crowd and for people who are interested in technology who have no relationship to culture nor need to get it because it doesn't decorate. Yeah, it has a it has a, a system of value that if more people engage with it increases in value. So it's like it's like art buying without without the requisite barriers of knowledge that you need to, to buy art. So cryptocurrency, I think, replaces cultural production in the technocracy yeah. uh, as this store of value, this sort of conceptual store of value. It's the ultimate conceptual artwork, cryptocurrency, complete, completely bereft of, 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 
of every ingredient or nutrient that an artwork should have. Wow. It's an interesting way of thinking. About it is a really interesting way. I mean, but why, I guess, why do you think that is? Is it because of who they are as humans? Is it because of the, just the San Francisco-ish culture? That's, is it because, no, because they're engineers? Because, because I think we are experiencing sort of the takeover of society by the corporate state. Yeah. You know, we, we are in the midst of a, an inverted totalitarianism, in the words of Sheldon Wallen, the political theorist, whereby... It's not a kleptocracy with a bunch of people taking over. It's not a dictatorship. Yeah. It's an inverted totalitarian state where the ideology of the corporate state, uh, which is to maximize profit for the shareholder class, uh, is is essentially the ruling order. And within the technocracy, uh, within the, the sort of the the, the 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 utopian ideas of technology, we've seen a consolidation of power in industries, the likes of which we haven't seen since the turn of the century but scaled up mm-hmm. um and and culture in fascist states is something that is dangerous because it, it you really want to have a sort of a neutered you know that's why when the russians invaded you know the east they tore down the facades of the buildings yeah. because they, these buildings represented middle class values and they wanted to and they weren't being immoral they weren't like oh we're going to ruin the world they were like well, bourgeois values are bad and they're excessive and we get rid of them. So, yeah. you know, the corporate state functions in a very similar way. They, yeah. they, they want a sort of an anemic sort of banana republic gap-like environment where everything is just easy to monetize. Mm-hmm. The average person can consume. No one gets upset. But and, and it's difficult to understand because there's no one person to attack. It's not about Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates or Sergey and Larry. It is a, it is a construct of our contemporary environment, mm-hmm. and culture is their weak point. Mm-hmm. So the great American novel, the the piece of music that can galvanize people around a movement, like you saw, music's relationship to the Civil War was. I mean, to the to the to the Vietnam War was as a sort of a, a, a sort of a point of protest. Culture is very dangerous yeah to to fascist environments and the corporate state doesn't necessarily consciously attack culture but it creates an environment where the only culture that can prosper are damien hurst art paintings are shiny things by anish kapoor produced at scale are word paintings by ed ruchet are things that really are accepted as culture are valued as culture are respected but don't challenge the status quo Interesting. And the minute you have a sort of a diversity of culture that reaches scale, it will start to sort of, it, it's like vapor. It, 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 it fills in. So, But Sean Parker's a, a collector of yours. Sean Parker's a complete anomaly. Is he? As much as he's made his money in technology, he's not a technology guy. He's cultured. He's well-read. He loves food. He understands food. He understands landscaping and gardening, and he has an appetite for knowledge that is very broad. And that's just not about art. It's about food, culture, plants, you yeah. know, history, politics. He's, he's, a, he's a complete anomaly. Uh, and, and I think that's why he's also, within Silicon Valley, to some degrees rejected as not, as not one of them, because he really is a, a, a multivariant personality, mm. uh, you know. My next question would be like, where do you go, or how do you I, think? I, I think Silicon Valley has a lot to learn from Sean Parker. Yeah. I think Sean can sort of give them a sort of 
a, a, a roadmap and not how to make it, but in how you should spend it. Yeah. You know, he's in a, and I think everyone who knows him in different areas and he, he's voluminous in, in what he does. It's, it's not really about like money for him. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a different thing. He's an exceptionally interesting character. Yeah. Very different. Do you, I mean, I only, I brought him up because I saw on a, doc, a documentary that you had mentioned him. I mean, who do you think then is, who do you go after to save, to win this war? If you want to think about it that way. I mean, I actually, I, do you go I, to millennials? I, I, do you go I, like, I, I, I think Sean could be one of them. Yeah. Because I think he's high visibility. He's culturally very important. He's, he's historically very much tied into where we are today. He's got the capital to do so. So he could be definitely a flashpoint for sort of beginning to, to, to change that viewpoint. Um, but I think, I think that, that the change has to happen on sort of a much smaller level. Mm-hmm. It has to happen in a sort of a way where you can get people to engage at much more smaller price points in smaller ways. It has to begin like at the seed level yeah, and not the tree level, basically. And that requires systematic, dogged, door-to-door, you know, art dealing. I mean, it's, you know. Tell me, go, keep going. I mean, I think, I think like the way I engage is I do it that way. I mean, yeah. like, you know, we communicating, being open, just letting those people come in the door one yeah. by one slowly. It's not like a scalable takes time. Yeah. Just takes time. And I think it's happening, but you have to not enforce your agenda and ideas on them. You have to sort of say, these are your ideas. You have to challenge them. If yeah. you say like, okay, you've got rich and powerful. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, but come in and you got to, you, you just, the art business is sort of like sets up this like this is the myth of the collector and it's, yeah. and it's very good at that but it's not good at creating new mythologies or yeah new constructs it's very sort of it's 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 built for a very specific kind of person i, mean, I spend a lot of time in silicon valley there's a young gallery there called andrew mcclintock who i have a very good relationship with and we built a sort of a not a partnership but a collaboration where he shows some of my artists and and you know you know, slowly, slowly trying to get people to engage. Mm-hmm. And you have to do it on their turf. It's, it's. See, I like that. Tell me more about that. Your well, turf. It's, it's, well, you got, you, you got to do it on, you walk in here, come into a house, you yeah. don't see what you expect. It's yeah. not like a big gallery or fancy house. It's all engine here. We've, it's like, this yeah. is a, you're in, you feel like you're in an engine. You don't feel like you're, you're walking in and looking at like the body of a Ferrari. You feel yeah. like you're looking at the engine of Ooh, a Ferrari. Yeah. If you think about yeah. it. Yeah. So most galleries, they're no engine and all body. Yeah. I love that analogy. So you want to take your engine, you want to take it to San Francisco, and you want to let them put their body on it. Mm-hmm. You want to let other people create their own idea of what the art world is. Yeah. And I think the, the gallery system is is very good, very efficient. But these people are making huge amounts of money, think they're changing the world, have utopian ideas of greatness and delusion, but which is both good and bad. Mm-hmm. But you've got to kind of take it there and say, look, build the body yourself, and then we'll help you sculpt it. We'll help you change. We'll give you the engine. Mm-hmm. We'll figure out what we need. I think it's and it's sort of it's like community organizing. It's very much like how Obama won the campaign. It's door-to-door door. community There's no like 
great fix to it. It's how Trump won the election. Yeah. Didn't win with big media and spending. Spend, he yeah, he right, won yeah. by basically getting evangelical Christians to self-organize in well, communities locally across the country and to and to take the country. And I think yeah. culture. He did the splitting thing, though, too. He did yeah. the splitting thing. But the Democrats do the splitting thing. The liberals do the splitting thing. Yeah. But yeah, I, I take your point. Again, the, the, the left-right continuum is the way of seeing the world in this is over. There's yeah. no left-right continuum. There's a corporate state. Yeah. They control us all. They consume everything. They consume identity. They consume whatever whatever it is. They con- whatever whatever construct they consume. It's not left and right. That corporate state mm-hmm. needs to be deconstructed. Mm-hmm. I um I mean I, the I, the point though that you made about coming into what is a house is your office and it's like looking i mean i love that like looking into the engine i think just so i was a psychology major undergrad and you know people literally when they walk into galleries if they're not used to doing it like they have like a visceral reaction it's like tightening up tensing up absolutely this, and and the my, you know i talk a lot about this it's like homes like make out turn galleries into homes because when like you say when i walk into your house it's like a house like i'm i'm coming over you're comfortable. And you're I'm not, comfortable. Like, you're not overwhelmed. And like you're in some environment. There's a painting and a bus. It's like your home. Yeah. It's like, it's like there's art around. But you go to the gallery and you're like, if you're not like used to that practice yeah. and you're not like so-and-so, even for me who buys a lot of art, I go to galleries and I'm like, why, and I, I'm like, why did I just sit in my car for 45 minutes to like see a receptionist who's, who I'm like, hi, how are you? Who's like rude to you. Yeah. And like, and like treats you like you shouldn't be there. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, and I'm actually a, a serious buyer. I'm like, jump up. How are you? Nice to see you. Can I get your yeah. water? The price. And they're like, oh, and they, you don't know if they hate you, if it's personal, if it's not yeah. personal. You don't know if you did something wrong. And, 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 and sometimes it, you know, and, and it's amazing to me. Uh, the experience of the gallery is, is very good. Artists love showing there because they like to exhibit their work in nice spaces, yeah. but the user interface, is very bad and i think the art world has essentially developed a customer base that is closing down on itself and and that's why the big galleries are benefiting the small mid-sized galleries are not because this model doesn't attract new people or new entrants and we have and they're getting tighter and tighter the more more they're losing and we have we have new people buying art all the time even in this environment what you find with many dealers they'll like say they're dealer to dealer they're like oh we're de- I'm a dealer to dealer dealer. In other words, I deal because no one's got relationships with end user clients. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud of our ability to sell work to end users directly and at scale. And, and that is the hardest thing. It's the last mile. You can put the cable in, but getting it into the home. Yeah. And that's really dogged community organizing and the philosophy of being open to everyone yeah. is to is to somehow, you know, and, and this, you know, and this very wealthy person called me this week, and they're, they're like, "Thank you so much for taking the call." I said, "If you were a stranger, I would have taken your call." Yeah, just so you're aware of, just so you, I didn't take your call because you're so and so. Yeah, I take your call because you're just a person, and I take everyone's call, and that goes for artists, everyone. I'm brief. I'm direct. Yeah, people might think I'm terrible. People have actually sometimes attacked me afterwards. Been like, I'm like, listen, how many people take your call? How many people tell you what they think? Yeah, but you engage. Yeah, 
And and yeah, you run the risk of oh, that guy was an asshole. He did this to me. I'm like, listen, I'm I'm engaging in the world. Yeah, I, back to the. Uh, I mean, so I, I like this idea. It's, it's almost it is like that tipping point of you get, you know, from the community side, you get one person and another, and then you know, all of a sudden, someone else interacts with those two different people on two different occasions. And it's not a. It's yeah. It's not a job. It's and not- then and then they they're into it. But, but back to we were talking about the campaigns. The you know. Um, it's, uh, I, you know, I think something about what I do, it's, I'm not like trying to sell art. I don't see this as a job. I see this as, as a, as a person living in the world, wanting to experience the world and interact with the world. I don't yeah. see it as like, oh, I'm an art dealer trying to sell art. It's yeah. like, I'm just a guy who's interested in life, the world, is interested in communicating with people and having a discourse. Yeah. I don't even think about it. It's not even like, oh, I need to sell you something. Yeah, and then from the discourse, things happen. Whatever they are, yeah. you know, whether it's selling art, having an interesting conversation, studying something, becoming friends with someone. This like defined idea of oh, you're an art dealer and you're selling. I don't even. I'm I'm interested in a sort of a broad spectrum of people, and my strategy is very different. Like if you look mm-hmm. at my Facebook or my Instagram, someone was telling me my Instagram. It's not like here's a picture for sale these are the dimensions or like yeah. you know if you look at my instagram it's like a picture of my son a picture of an artwork a picture of a homeless person a picture of a urine it's very much like a diary yeah it's like this is a life like engage with me as a person yeah and, and and you don't have to like have a defined outcome you don't have to like if i don't like your art it doesn't mean i don't like you yeah it doesn't mean you never need to come and have coffee with me again you're an interesting person this like immediate kind of gratification of like results orientation is amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, so, you know, this is, this is sort of an art and tech podcast talking about Instagram. I mean, Instagram has had an influence on the art world and sort of that journal is something we actually had an artist on here talk about that, how it's a great way to do what you said. Let Undeniably, it's that, but that's such an obvious point at this point that like yeah. social media is had an influence on the art world. There's an influence on every world. Well, Okay. But it's had an influence Facebook on the Twitter Twitter hasn't really. Absolutely, I mean, Facebook has had an influence. You on think? The world. Absolutely huge. My huh. discourse on Facebook is much more interesting than my discourse on Instagram because I actually have people who are reading stuff on Facebook. I have people who are commenting. I have very smart people who actually can write intelligent things. Facebook is like the is like the it's the bimbo version of social media. It's like you look at an image, you like it. Yeah, Facebook is Facebook is where people go to go. In, I have I have a very different Facebook. I have like yeah. I have people who say they go to Facebook to log into my account and that's it. Yeah, I mean I have like all this stuff is oh Facebook superficial and it's this. It's like it's superficial if your life is superficial. Yeah, it's like if you go to nightclubs every every week, you have a superficial life. Mm-hmm. If you hang out with a variable group of people, have intelligent, constructive conversations, then it's not superficial. Now, for all of you listeners who are looking to replace your boring IKEA poster or add another piece to your collection, Bango can help. Bango's revolutionizing the way we discover art. They use machine learning to recommend art that you'll like, augmented reality to let you visualize that art above your couch, and live chats that you text directly with designers, all from your iPhone. They made finding my first piece fun and easy. So don't wait. Visit bangoart.com or download the app on iTunes and use the promo code State of the Art for 15% off your first purchase. Now, back to the episode. 
I would agree with that. And like, I've read some of your, your posts that you had on there, but you know, about the gallery system, I guess I would say the difference there is that you are bringing smart people who are perhaps more interested that they're further down the path. Whereas what Instagram I think could have done is bring, you know, people who we talked about the gallery or intimidated to ever go into the gallery. It's like, it's, it's like their virtual home. Maybe it's like, Oh, I crossed the path of an artist on Instagram and it is a visual platform. Yes, yeah, so And then a, I see their story and I watch them in their studio and how they make it. And now all of a sudden I went from having no idea and like this far off world to a little bit closer into who the artist Instagram's is. great. They're both yeah. great. But okay. at the end of the day, Instagram is about the language of images, which I, I understand greatly because yeah. I take pictures. I understand the power of the image and the Im- ability of the image to narrate a story. But at some point, the power of the image uh, can be greatly helped by the power of the written word. Yeah. And I think that's where Facebook comes in. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. You're talking, so we were talking about campaigns earlier, the milk campaign or the others. And, you know, one thing that I was interested to see how it played out is, I mean, you see basketball players and rappers more talking about artwork. And so what I thought they're bringing into pop culture, they're bringing it to perhaps a new audience of people who weren't thinking about it, which then could lead them to drink milk, right? But it, I think it's actually had quite the avert, like reverse effect because they're just talking about the hundred million, you know, JG's rapping about the hundred million dollar pieces. They're bought. talking about money. They're not talking about exactly. So it furthers money. it furthers that gap now that they're their followers. I mean, do you think how do we change that campaign or what are the campaigns? You know, that, people talk about money, like yeah. this conflation that people are talking about the Leonardo da Vinci and the Salvatore Mundi. They're yeah. not. They're talking about money. Yeah. And people have always spoken about money. Yeah. And they speak about money in different forms. They speak about money and look what I the guy bought a yacht, he bought a diamond, he bought an expensive car. I think it's to understand that that conversation is not a conversation about art or culture. Mm-hmm. Is something that people need to be aware of. They're discussing money, mm-hmm. which is, they're discussing, look, Bitcoin's at $10,000. Mm-hmm. Look, Salvatore Mundi sold for $450 million. They're not discussing Leonardo da Vinci and the, and the Renaissance. They're discussing money in its sort of brute form. And, and this culture is very interested in money and it's sort of in its cold format. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you kind of ignore it. I yeah. think you, you just ignore it. You're like, okay, cool. Uninteresting. Next. Yeah. You, you ignore it. Yeah. You pay it no heed. Huh. So if you had, I mean, you talked about Sean Parker, Facebook being a great platform, Instagram. I mean, if you, it's a great platform if you use it. If you use it right. If you use it right. If you so in a lot of what you talk about, I mean, is is grassroots, I understand you think they're that's, tools. That's how it has to go. Okay, so tool. How I mean, if you were to start if you had five million dollars, you know, from a VC or from this that said, Okay, I want you to go create this, like how, what would you do with it? How how do you think technology can help? I would culture give it scale? back to the VC. You would. Yeah. So there, there's no if I sort of said what idea would you have? Or as sort of how technology can help. There's no idea. There's no like no. I'm going to start an art business, sell it for a billion dollars. Yeah, it's really fucking simple. Yeah. How old are you? Uh, Thirty-three. You collect art. I do. Great. By the time when we switch off this podcast, yeah, I'm going to take you into the back. Okay. I'm going to introduce you to people who work for me. Lisa runs my business. Yeah. And Zach and Rosie. And I'm going to introduce you to a young artist named Lazarus. He makes these amazing potions here. I saw that. He fills them. And each of these potions is, 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 a, is, a, is a magic spell. Yeah. And, and 
and clarity. You can you can go to him and you can ask for a magic spell for different things. Sure, these are magic spells for love, and and they're amazing aesthetic object. Yeah, they're thirty five hundred dollars. Wow, and they're and I think he's an amazing artist. Just beginning his career, he's he's had a career, but the gallery is going to increase the prices to seven thousand dollars soon or six thousand dollars. Yeah, I'm going to have you go to the back. I'm going to I'm going to get Lisa to sell you one. Okay, I'm give you a little discount, and if you need a payment plan, that's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it one by one by one by one. All right, and that's how it begins. I'm not going to do it by taking the five million dollars from the VC and making a business plan and coming up with some convoluted crap so I can send it to a bunch of celebrities who basically have no idea about culture either, but want like some kind of free goodie bag with some Kiel shampoo in it. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna systematically. That's what it's about. It's about getting that story into your life yeah it's not about getting the vc to build some scalable business where you put it online and, and you know artsy is great and it's a great service but and, and it aggreg- you think so yeah because it makes it easy to look at culture i can look at art fairs there i can look yeah. at auctions so I, I like anything that aggregates content like zillow aggregates content sure you know so any, any but the art world is not it's not an airbnb world where you yeah. can like turn your place into a hotel it's 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 a very personal thing, you know. You go to a Chinese restaurant, the guy's got a poster in the toilet. He got that poster somewhere. He went to the World Cup soccer in 1982 and he bought the poster and he yeah. framed it and he loved soccer. It's a narration and you got to like open that opportunity up for people. What if you could build a platform on top of Airbnb where it filtered for people who love art and they could host pop-up art shows? It's not organizing art shows. Is, these are objects. Yeah. You've got to pack that. You got to ship it. You got to create it. Yeah, it's not. An, it's not like an Amazon fulfillment center. Yeah, you know, each object is different. That's got oil in it. Yeah, that's that's a petrocortite. That's that's got it, edges that you can't ding up. Yeah, each thing's different. It yeah. doesn't scale in that way. Yeah, not everything great has to scale. Yeah, this is one of the fundamental things that we need to deconstruct it's one of the ideologies of the corporate state that everything scales Mm -hmm. because in order for things to become more and more profitable they have to scale okay but we we have to fundamentally deconstruct that and there's a bunch of there's a bunch of ideologies of the corporate state functions yeah we got to deconstruct that and we don't have to scale we we have to be elites we have to we have to rise to our responsibility as elites, Ooh, I like which we have abrogated yeah. to the masses. This, is, this isn't this is oh, the elites, the coastal elites run the world. The coastal elites are not elites. They're lemmings. <laughs> they, have, they have abrogated their true responsibility to be elites by essentially submitting their responsibility for free thinking and individual thinking and logical thinking to essentially the corporate state that has set the agenda for them to basically adhere to which yeah. which which has a whole set of itself it, it's it's the problem that there are a lack there are a lack of elites you know governing the world yeah okay fine but i worked on the uh on the obama campaign that you talked about they use technology in a lot of ways to empower the individual empower the individual to yes. go to door to door exactly so i you know i mean that's where i was thinking that it, to empower the individual yeah. To empower the individual, exactly. To give the individual, uh, and, and and you can listen to Steve Bannon talk about the Trump campaign. You can speak to Obama, Axelrod talk about the Obama campaign. It's the same thing. Yeah, we gave people the ability to empower themselves 
to basically understand go. that they themselves can make the difference. Sure. But they made it efficient and easy for them to go door to door and to know what that person had voted on, what they had said, points that you can make for them. Let's just clarify something. Okay. The art industry, that's yeah. $3,500. Yeah. 175 million people in America have less than 400 million in the bank account. Yeah. Okay. We are not talking about art for the masses. We are talking about taking an elite population of people yeah. who have got money yeah. and saying to them, you guys have no relationship to culture. You guys actually, don't, you guys think you're elites, you're utopianists, your ideas. You're actually not. You're yeah. not free thinkers. You are just shackled to the, the corporate state and you are expressing and thinking in a way that is, is not free. The liberation of culture yeah. is the liberation of the elite class. It's it's it, for us to even have this conversation and discuss it in broader in broader terms is very difficult. Yeah. So yeah. what is art for the masses? Is that working? Artists working with brands? Is an artist working with Nike to put artwork on the shoe and then you know more people? That's product. I I think art for the masses is is an ability to go to a museum and see a museological and have a museological experience that's free, which is denied because you have to pay seventeen dollars to see some exhibits. Yeah. So I think if you can get people to collect art who live in different parts of the country mm -hmm. and scale and open up small foundations and open up, you can increase the conversation. Mm -hmm. But it's very finite. I mean, I think that, you know, terrible as it may sound, if you go back to ancient Egypt and you said, you know, millions of people died building these pyramids and these sphinxes and pharaohs died as well. What is left over? The ruins of, of pyramids and sphinxes. Yeah. The ruins of ancient civilizations. Yeah. So, I, I think this democratization of art. I I could never have have the arrogance to sort of think that the democratization of art is going to have any scalability in sort of in in a mass culture. Yeah. The ideas of free thinking. Yeah. Of individual thinking, of thinking with clarity, and seeing the truth. Art might help elites see things more clearly. It might help elites deconstruct their sort of box of Damien Hirst print or Rich or, or Anish Kapoor. It might say, oh, well, this guy pissing, you know, in the, in the fields, it's an interesting painting. Or this, 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 this painting here or that painting made by a Ghanaian mm -hmm. artist is interesting. It might make them see the world. And then seeing the world might change their, deconstruct their thinking. Yeah. And that might filter down. Yeah. And, and that might change their relationship to, the political system might change their vote for being tough on crime might might you know it, it it might filter through but i think that the opportunity for art is to is to make the elite class more aware of their engagement in society it, it might provide meaning mm -hmm. and if you can provide meaning that might change their decisions downstream yeah and those downstream decisions then might affect people i guess the, yeah the thing that the challenge i have with that is so now it's like the art world is talking about like a 0.001%. And now you're talking about opening it up and tearing that down to... No, no, no. The, 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 art to completely, the art world's completely marginalized because very few people are collecting anything other than the hottest artists on the planet. Yeah. And everyone else. So, so we're not even talking about... Like, like there is no... Like the machinery of pumping out 10,000 graduates a year and, yeah. and with student debt every year, that machinery should be stopped. 
like the MFA programs, BFA programs, they are they are the real criminal enterprise I, I, of the corporate state. They are yeah. the ones that are the real criminals, not guys selling art. That should stop. And they tell them, they're like, yeah, and then they push to the schools to these kids coming out, like, oh, yeah, don't even sell your work to this person, this person, this person. You know, wait for this gallery. Wait 10 years for this gallery to come knocking. Those people should not go to art school. They should buy supplies, canvas, camera equipment, whatever, and they should, you know, because for most of for, for for 99.9999% of those people, that's just a burden of debt for the rest of their lives. Yeah. That is un, that that is that is like the real criminal enterprise of the art system or the stu- are the are the art schools. Yeah. They really have figured out a scalable way of uh, of taking money, yeah, from the poor. All right, so before I let you go, I have three three questions I want to ask. We'll call these rapid fire. Tell me, if you were to write a book, what would you name it about yourself? I wouldn't write a book about myself. No, no, I want to write a manifesto. Okay, what would you title the manifesto? The corporate manifesto. Okay, uh, what's your life motto? My life changes every day. <laughs> what's it today? I have no what idea. Was it yesterday? I don't. I don't have ah, life mottos. Right. I don't have like. What's my life motto? Um, what's my life motto? I don't know. My my my. I don't have a life motto, but like, like my motto for art is the periphery becomes the new center in a networked environment. Yeah. So essentially, in a networked the environment, the culture becomes called not the counterculture, the periphery. So Serge Tukwe lives in Jamestown, Ghana. Yeah. Because he's in my network now, has is is has the same opportunities as an artist living in Beverly Hills, or Zach Armstrong who lives in Dayton, Ohio, which is you know, yeah, which is there's not many artists not working many, there, not much of anything, yeah. suffering from an opiate ec- epidemic of great proportion, right, yeah. is able to compete with artists living in London and New York because it's part of a network. So the periphery becomes the new center in a networked environment. So it's not about culture or counterculture. It's just literally if you're networked. And you're in the periphery. You don't need to leave the periphery to compete. You can stay in the periphery, and you can use the periphery to yeah, its yeah. advantage. So Zach can have a huge studio in Ohio, whereas in LA he couldn't for the same price. Serge can have assistance in Ghana that he can have there that he couldn't afford in New York City. So the periphery actually becomes an advantage. So it's 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 it, it's in cultural production. The periphery becomes the new center in a networked environment. Okay. So it's a little bit different. I like. That. It's 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 not an ideological thing. It's a it's a practical thing. Pra- okay, even better. Uh, here's one for you. What artist is your trust me special today? Oh my god, my trust me special. That was a real disaster. But it's but ironically, it worked out. That was funny. It like it actually worked out really well for everyone. Tell tell the trust me special <sighs> story. I I don't want to talk about it. Okay, fine. It was uh, Lazarus. You walk out with a with a potion. Lazarus is your trust me special. Yeah, it's got a spell on it. It's got a, you walk out of that, your life will be filled with love. Okay. That is a trust me special. All right, great. And 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 it's and it's thirty five hundred dollars. Yeah. And he's a he's actually a a a, 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 wit, a witch, you know. So he he does covens and he's uh, I think the work is it's sort of like um, a witchcraft version of a Joseph Cornell box. And and you're gonna we're gonna invoice you by the time you walk out the door <laughs> for one. All right. So for all the listeners out there, how can they reach you? Are you are you literally gonna give them your, your phone my number? My number's public. You can Google me. My cell phone's public. My Facebook's public. My Instagram's public. I mean, what's your website? 
Simcoe's Club. Simcoe's Club. That's you just look at it and it's aggregated. If you can't find me, you've got issues. You're in trouble. You, should, you will not be working for the CIA if you can't find me. All right. Well, hey, the man, the myth, the legend, Stefan Simkowitz. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, that ends our two-part series with Stefan. Don't forget to visit him at simcoesclub.com or on Instagram at Stefan Simkowitz. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review it. Leaving a review is super easy and it helps listeners like you discover the podcast. Oh yeah, and don't forget to check us out at State of the Art on Twitter for behind the scenes photos, a sneak peek to next week's episode, and really cool art videos you're gonna wanna show your friends. Thanks again to Van Gogh for sponsoring this episode and to all of you for listening. Remember, if you're an artist looking to create more or a buyer wanting to enrich your home with original art, visit vangoart.co slash podcast and save 30%. Until next week, you can reach out to me directly on Twitter at Ethan Appleby with your thoughts, feedback, and compliments. I also want to thank everyone on the team. State of the Art is a team effort here at Bango, and I couldn't have done it without Deepak Kanda, who runs creative outreach and is a jack of all trades, to Wes Stevens, who's the most meticulous audio engineer and makes me sound way better than I should, and with special help from Clara Pryke and Amanda Hart. Thanks, and signing off of State of the Art.